Hey, what's up? It's episode 76, Pain Points of Wealth, and Will Every Strategist and Economist Be Wrong? Probably. We're going to talk today about what the sentiment is on Wall Street, what investors are thinking right now. Hint, hint, they're very negative on the economy and the stock market. Well, we're going to give you our contrary, our contrarian view of what we think is going to happen over the course of the next couple months, especially with interest rates going up now, the Fed officially raising interest rates for the first time since 2018. The conflict in Ukraine continues to go on. We got a great show. We're going to unpack a lot for you today. And we're going to talk about some old school wisdom. Bob's going to go back to the 70s at Merrill Lynch when he had long hair, listen to Led Zeppelin, and tell you exactly what you have to think about philosophically when it comes to the markets. Let's hop to it. We got a great show today. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Right by you know baby boomer standards, I still have long hair and I still listen to Led Zeppelin just to set the record straight. But you know what? Hey, the market has been in a corrective mode since January, and as I've been saying and we've been talking about on this podcast for the last couple of months, it's the correction really happened in January. Believe it or not, since the uh, Ukrainian conflict started, since Russia invaded Ukraine, market's only down one percent. Yeah, and again, it's history repeating itself over and over. Right? We actually talked about a lot of stats on this when you look at geopolitical conflicts, irrespective of World War II, you know, none of them have ended in an economic recession and none of them actually have ended in a bear market. Markets tend to shrug them off and move higher, even with all the devastation. And I don't want to discount what's going on in Ukraine right now. It's terrible. But when it comes to like, the global economy, again, it's just such a small effect. Meanwhile, Bob, to your point, interest rates going up, which has been, you know, we've known about this, the Fed's been signaling it since January. Well, you know, bottom line is the market's been reacting to that for a very long time. Well, it's not only just interest rates going up. You know, Jay Powell, he was out on the hill testifying like he does, you know, after the Fed meeting. And they did raise rates and they're going to raise rates at every meeting, you know, for the rest of the year. So six more rate increases coming on short term interest rates. But he basically said, hey, the economy's in good shape. He doesn't see in a recession like a lot of these economists have been talking about. He thinks the economy and ultimately the stock market can handle higher interest rates. Well, I can tell you what, boys, our clients don't feel as positive as you do. There's definitely a lot of bearish sentiment out there. I talked to one of my clients yesterday, and she asked me point blank, Chris, do I need to go back to work now that the economy's in shambles? Well, I don't know, Chris. I mean, you're running her money. She might want to think about it. Bad joke. I told you you get her a job, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, you know, Chris, it actually would be pretty good for the economy because we've got five to one job openings to people looking for a job. So there's plenty of opportunities if they want to go back to work. But that's the beauty of having a diversified portfolio that pays dividends, that grows over time pays interest, you don't have to go back to work. Wow, I want one of those paying capital management portfolios, a little commercial in there. But no, in all seriousness, that's the point, right? I mean, the one thing that we've been basically stating every week is, look, we're in an economic boom. No matter what those strategists tell you, what those economic gurus tell you, at the end of the day, we have abundance of jobs right now. Wages are going higher. People are not dialing back their spending. And you know, even oil prices skyrocketing two weeks ago and now coming down in price, that doesn't have that big effect on the U.S. consumer. Now, I don't want to discount the fact, depending on where you are on that economic scale, for some people, it's devastating having those higher oil prices. But as the overall, for most Americans, it's not going to stop them from spending, especially now that the economy is like 
full-blown going to be reopened. No one cares about COVID anymore. You know, cases have come down. We've learned to live with it. These are all big, big drivers for economic growth. You know, that's why we should always write an article almost every week. If things are so good, why do I feel so awful? Right? Because when you look at the media, you watch the news, you're finished. And when it's over, you're like, oh my God, things are so bad. But meanwhile, we just got a print on US household net worth, $150 trillion, guys, with a T. So you take the collective value of real estate, portfolios, companies. We're the wealthiest we've ever been in the history of the country. And it didn't go up a little bit. It went up 8.2% last quarter. Well, that's all well and good, Dad, but you know it certainly doesn't feel that way. And our clients certainly don't feel that way just because every single day they're looking at their portfolios and they're seeing the value drop and they're wondering, when's this thing going to bottom out? When are things going to turn around? Well, that's what I love about corrections. They come once a year, generally about a 10% correction every year since 1929, except we didn't have one in the last three years. So suddenly 10% corrections are horrible. It makes you feel bad, but they're a natural part of the scheme of things when it comes to the market. But meanwhile, we just had earnings estimates increased, right? And with prices down and earnings going up, the price earnings ratio is now more reasonable than it's been in the last two years. So equities are probably a better opportunity today than they were anytime since we've done this podcast. Well, that's where you look at the optimism, right? If you listen to a corporate CEO right now, they've got plenty of liquidity. They've got lots of cash on their balance sheet and they're buying back shares. So if you're a shareholder, your shares are worth more. In fact, this year, We're going to have a trillion dollars of stock buybacks. It's going to be a record. We're on track for a record year. Dividend yields, to your point, Bob, are going up. Profits are going up. These are positives. (laughs) This is why you want to be invested in the market as opposed to sitting in cash where you lost 8% purchasing power on your money the last 12 months. So, and that's like, you know, again, we talk about this ad nauseum, but cash is trash no more than ever right now because inflation doesn't mean sit in cash. Inflation means you need to be doing something productive with your money. And think about that. Think of the trillions of dollars just sitting out there trying to figure out what to do, trying to find a home. So much of this money is going to end up in the stock market. And we're already seeing it, right? We saw a huge move last week in stock prices, like turned on a dime. And that's how it always works. And if you don't get invested now, you miss the boat. We've been saying it week after week. It's already starting to happen. You're already missing the boat. Listen to our podcast. And you know what, Chris? Ryan's starting to sound more like Warren Buffett every week, right? He's an eternal optimist. He keeps talking about the positives. He's always trashing economists and investment advisors and Bitcoin. You know, Warren Buffett is famous for saying, you know, we felt that the only value of stock forecasters is to make fortune tellers look good. So far, they have been making fortune tellers look good. So it does pay to be an optimist. You know, the markets do look forward. All this negative news is already priced in. And that's the hard part about investing. It's so counterintuitive, but the opportunities are greater now than they've ever been. Well, it's a psychological aspect too, because we just saw almost 8% in inflation. So it's like the headlines are, oh my God, inflation. It's like the 70s again. You know, it's going to be stagflation. It's bad times. But the market's not thinking about right now. What the market's doing is pricing out another like 30 months in the future. And the reality of it is these supply chains, they're starting to get fixed. We're not going to go out and buy more electronics like we did initially when the pandemic started. You know, these factories don't have to restart again. So supply chains are going to start to normalize which means inflation is actually going to come down. And that's what the market's looking at. It's not looking backwards where inflation is today or it was yesterday. That's not as important as where it's going to be in 30 months. And we know, I mean, based on just like basic economics, inflation's coming down, but wages are going to stay high. Again, this is extremely optimistic for the economy. Well, here's the thing. I mean, now the Fed has told us, Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, came out yesterday and said, we're going to raise interest rates, short-term interest rates. Now, remember, they control the overnight rate charge the bank. So it's going from zero 
to a quarter of 1%. So they continue to raise it. It's going to go up to about one and three quarters percent. But meanwhile, the 10-year treasury bond, if you lock your money up for 10 years, you get a whopping 2.1%. So what is it that the bond gods know that the rest of the world doesn't know? If we have 8% inflation and the Fed's raising interest rates, why is the 10-year treasury sticking around to 2.1%, guys? Because inflation is going to come down. They won't tell you this on the news. They won't tell you this in the media, but we'll tell you the truth right here. So again, you've got to prepare for the fact that inflation is going to come down. It's not going to be as high as it's been. It's still going to be higher than it was last decade. You've got to get a return on your money. If you sit in cash, it's a bad place to be. Being pessimistic, not optimistic about the future of the economy is going to be a big mistake. You heard it here first. Get invested. Get prepared. Don't miss the boat. Be here now. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 76, Pain Points of Wealth. We literally have over 70,000 downloads. Thank you for your support. For us to continue this podcast, we need to keep getting your support. So please give us the five-star like on a rating rather on iTunes. If this is on YouTube, give us a like. You can subscribe, click that notification bell. You can be updated every single week of our new content. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you want us to talk about here, anything financially related. You have a friend, family member could use this content, find it valuable. Please forward it along. We're trying to grow our podcast. Your support lets us continue to do this. We appreciate your support. Give us a like. Give us a five-star rating. Thank you. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob, I feel like the theme today is the 70s. Best music was in the 70s. Bob, was his hair was in his prime in the 70s, not to say that it's not still looking great today. And Bob, you started in the brokerage industry at Merrill Lynch in the 70s. And you always talk about their technical analyst, Bob Farrell, who basically was kind of a pioneer in the way he viewed markets, his philosophies around markets. So I thought we could talk today about some of his philosophies and how they still apply today, just like they did back in the 70s when you started. Well, you know, Bob Farrell's an icon, and he was the first analyst really to focus on the technical aspects of the market as opposed to just the fundamentals, you know, not just looking at earnings and growth and economic outlook. He was actually looking at the patterns of the price patterns of stocks, bonds, and commodities. And his observations over the year were very prescient, but he always he came up with these rules. And these rules are something that I've lived by you know, since the 70s, which seems like the other day to me, guys, but I know it's not. And the number one rule is markets revert to the mean. And we've seen a lot of examples of that recently. Yeah. For example, large cap growth has been the darling of the last 10 years. It's down 15% this year, whereas things like commodities did nothing for the last 10 years and they're up big this year. Hey, Chris, even better. You look at a barrel of oil a year and a half ago, two years ago, negative $37 a barrel. I mean, you had to pay somebody to take your oil. You couldn't even sell it. Hey, if you have a bucket, I'll pay you to put it in your bucket. Now it hit $137 a barrel the other day. When you think about markets, think about a rubber band. What happens when you stretch a rubber band too far? Right? It snaps back and it can hurt you if you're not careful. Well, you know what? I got this big tanker truck in my backyard that I bought last April. Do you think I could store it down in Ocean City? I don't know. The Ocean City uh, zoning laws are pretty tough, but we'll see. We could have put a couple of those barrels on Chris's catamaran. That would have been a real, would have been a baller move, as they say. No, but it's true, right? When you think about markets, look, you can talk about all the fundamentals, all the analytical data you want to, but it is really psychological. You know, I always joke, we're not financial advisors. We're financial psychiatrists, right? Half the time. The irony is we're always in a new era of something, right? So it's not new, the fact that there's something new, if that makes sense. He's absolutely right. There are no new eras. I mean, you go back to the roaring 20s. You had radio and television, different ways of communication. And then we had the tech bubble in the 90s. And now we have disruptive technologies. There are no new eras. It's just 
technology evolves, right? People evolve and human beings don't change. So what happens when they think there's some new, new era, they price it to the moon and they speculate because speculation is as old as the hills. And that's really what he's talking about. And when you see something that looks overvalued, it usually is. Well, hard to believe that the tulip craze of the 1600s in Holland was disruptive technology, but hey, I digress. Yeah, no, exactly. It's amazing, like man and woman's ability to continue to delude themselves over and over, especially when it comes to investing, which actually you know, goes with one of Bob's other great laws, and that's exponentially rising or flowing markets usually go further than you think, but they do not correct by going sideways, right? It's like, and then they used to say that about the housing market before the big housing crisis in 2008, 2009, real estate either goes up or it goes sideways. That's not true. It's not true of any market, right? All markets are the same. You take the tech bubble back in the 90s when Amazon went public, people look back and say, wow, if I could have invested in the IPO in Amazon, I'd be a billionaire. Well, guess what? You put $10 million into Amazon on the IPO, within 12 months, you were down 9 million, right? So be honest with me. Would you stay long that 1 million, hoping and praying that it would come back after you lost 9 million? I'll tell you what, your mom wouldn't let me do it. Well, and never mind, like who would have predicted, you know, this company that sold books online all of a sudden was literally going to handle every single household we have, right? I mean, it's just impossible to know that ahead of time. Some people can say, I would have figured it out. I call BS. <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone could have figured that out ahead of time, unless you're Jeff Bezos himself. All right. And the other one, guys, is the public buys the thing that's most at the top and the lease at the bottom, which is the exact opposite of what you should do in investing. Yeah. Well, look, let's take this year, for example, right? We are at all time record high on January 4th. Right, that was just a couple of days ago, right? January fourth, an all-time record high. You had more buyers than sellers when it came to individual and institutional investors. Right, the market had a correction down ten percent in the S and P, down twenty percent in the Nasdaq. You had more sellers than you did buyers. Right, so it's amazing. And like the public, and not just the public, but these big institutions, these smart hedge funds. You know, they panic at the top, they panic at the bottom. What you have to do is be unemotional, guys. Yeah, you have to be unemotional, but I think that's also comes back to like just the cruelty of markets, right? I mean, the irony is when everyone feels the best, we talked about this last week, you feel good, the economy looks good, everything's rosy, and you're getting into something when everybody else is with the herd, you know, you're typically buying high, but you don't feel it. And meanwhile, like right now, when the volatility is high, uncertainty around places like China and Russia, it's probably a great time to buy China. I said it. Someone's going to get really angry by saying that, but bottom line, it probably is a good buying opportunity. We'll have to go back and see retrospectively, but it's like when the uncertainty is high, I'm going to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Kim, who asked me to explain a little bit what it means to say that it's already priced into the market. And I think what that means essentially is like, when you think it's a good idea and we all think it's a good idea at the same time, the market already knows that. It's not news. If it's in the headlines, it's in the price. It's another way of looking at it. So basically, you have Millions and millions of investors that are making transactions and decisions every day based on an informed opinion. Remember, all markets are auctions. So if you're buying something, that means there's another party selling it. So they're selling it because they believe their information's right. And you're buying it because you think your information's correct. And the market decides as an auction, what's the price going to be? So when everybody knows the same thing and say it's an optimistic report, everybody's already priced in, everybody's invested based on that good news. Well, what happens if everybody's in, there's only one last thing to do is go the other direction. Well, you know, also think about it just the last couple of years, right? Like the things that move the market, you couldn't have predicted, except for Chris, of course, right? We couldn't have predicted we were going to have a pandemic. No one predicted that in January of 2020, that the global economy was going to be shut down. No one predicted at the beginning of this year that Russia was going to invade Ukraine, right? So it's the unknowable that's invariably going to move the market. 
So we talk about this too, when you're building your portfolio, like you have to have that proverbial all-weather portfolio. No matter what happens, you want to have it in your portfolio. That's why owning things like commodities in your portfolio for a decade and crying every day because they stink only to wait until this one moment of time where commodity prices have gone through the roof that you had them in your portfolio already, right? It's about being proactive, not reactive when it comes to investing. Well, the other thing too, right? That's a good point. It's also about resolve. Fear and greed are stronger than your long-term resolve. That's why you need to have a financial plan because your expectations about what your portfolio are going to do should be based around your financial goals and not by trying to make the most money because then you make decisions emotionally. The only way to take emotions out of it is to have a process-driven strategy, right? You invest for a purpose. You know, why do I have to be in the equity market? Because I need equity-like returns to overcome inflation and taxation in order to live a lifetime with income that I can't outlive and not have to worry about having to work for the rest of my life. So when we look at our strategy, it's A to B. It allows you to put the emotions on hold, invest with a purpose, as opposed to event-type investing, right? Oh my God, they're raising, they're raising interest rates. You got to get out of the market. Oh, there's been a geopolitical event going on. I got to get out of the market. Well, getting out is easy. Getting back in is really hard. And I've never yet in 47 years, guys, had an investor time the market correctly. They're always good at getting out at the low. And that's always a good time for all of our other investors because we can tell them to invest heartily. Yes, right. As we know, though, it's like the best opportunity is when it's the darkest hour before the dawn, right? It's when the news is the worst. And we kind of saw this this past week when we finally saw a big jump in the market upwards. It's when everything looked as dire as it possibly could, right? I mean, we had prices selling off exponentially. You had bad news from Ukraine every single day with what Russia was doing on their invasion. And it just feels like things just can't get better. And essentially, that's typically when things get better, at least in stock prices. The news can take months to get better. But again, that market is looking out 15 months, 30 months. It's looking into the future. And that's the biggest mistake we see investors make over and over again. It's like, I can't believe Tesla went down. The news was so good. Well, the market's been pricing that in for years. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, it drives me crazy. Well, the last rule, guys, that I want to bring up is Bob Farrell's last number 10 rule is bull markets are much more fun than bear markets. And yeah, no kidding. It's always much more fun to see your statement go up. But the truth lies in the fact that bear markets are where we make all our money. You don't get good prices with good news, right? It takes negative news. It takes fear to really get the opportunities that create the wealth that you can't outlive. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 76, Pain Points of Wealth. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially literally at any stage of your journey. Chris, Bob, and I, this is what we do every day. We've been doing this collectively for over 75 years. So our insights hopefully can give you some insights to what you're doing with your finances. However, if you want a more hands-on approach, really want to figure out what you're doing and you have over $750,000 saved for your financial independence retirement plan, well, Bob, Chris, and I will run for you at no cost if you qualify our total financial master plan. We literally will go through every investment that you own. We'll build you your own personalized financial portal and we'll hone in on all the fees you're paying, all your tax inefficiencies, show you how to reduce that cost, make your portfolio more tax efficient, do a full financial independence game plan, look at when you want to retire, putting together an income plan for retirement, how to live off your portfolio, how much should you be saving every year, how do you do it in the most tax efficient manner. It's a full holistic approach. No one else is willing to do this work up front where we go through everything for you. If you saved over $750,000 safe for retirement, we do 10 of these a week. Go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. 
Okay, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob. In 1939, at the height of the Depression, famous investor John Templeton bought 100 shares of each NYSE-listed company, which were selling for less than $1 a share or in $19 a share in today's equivalent. The next year, France fell. In 1941 came Pearl Harbor. In 1942, the Nazis were rolling across Russia. Mr. Templeton held on. He finally sold in 1944 after five of the most frightening years in modern history. He made a profit out of the 104 stocks that he bought, more than quadrupling his money. It pays to wait, Bob. It does, Ryan. It's Sir John Templeton. Actually, he was knighted a number of years ago before he passed away. One of the most brilliant investors of all time. His most famous quote is the four most dangerous words when it comes to investing. It's different this time. But think about what he did. You know, at the height of the depression, with the world at war, he went in and invested because he was following a Bobism that he didn't even know about. The world doesn't end very often. He made a big bet that the world would continue. And you know what? I'll stick with that bet for now. He took your advice. And the real question is, why aren't you Sir Bob Payne yet? That's what I want to know. It's the only time before you're knighted, Bob. Chris, the government of Ukraine raised $63 million in crypto donations to fund its defense against Russia's invasion. However, crypto scammers have built Ukraine supporters out of a similar amount. So just as many scams as uh, money that actually went to supporting Ukraine. Well, you know, I thought crypto was known for being like this secure currency. Just another reason not to own crypto. Bob Coin is the only secure one out there. All right, Bob, the metal nickel spiked to 100,000 per metric ton on the London Metal Exchange two weeks before trading was halted. The metal had traded around 25,000 a ton before the big run-up. Man, oh man, that's a huge move. Well, I'll tell you why it was a huge move, right? There's this Chinese metal tycoon who decided that the price of nickel was going to go down and short the market. Now, that means you're betting on the price going down, not going up. Well, instead of going from 25,000 down to 20, it went to 100,000 causing massive margin calls for this nickel tycoon, right? This Chinese investor, he lost $2 billion on Monday. Just goes to show you, speculation is always nice in hindsight, but boy, it can wipe you out in a week. And you know, why blow it? You know, if you have a couple of billion, you know, why make a big bet like that? That just blows my mind. It's like they say a fool and their money were lucky to get together in the first place is what it sounds like to me. Fear and greed. Fear and greed. Seriously. $2 billion is no joke. Chris, the asset manager's $140 billion PIMCO income fund held $1.14 billion worth of Russian government international bonds as the end of 2021, which just says to me, do you know what's in your bond fund? Well, you know, Ryan, I always said that bond funds are the Trojan horse of the bond world. You know, it looks like a bond on the outside. It's marketed like a bond, but it doesn't act like a bond. The money doesn't come due. You don't have any control over the quality, and you certainly don't know what your rate of return is. Yeah. And it's, you remember back in the day, we had Puerto Rican bonds, all the tax exempt municipal portfolios own those. Again, bond funds, bad for your health, treacherous. All right. Well, that wraps up episode 76, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love it. Give us that five-star rating, please, on iTunes. Give us the like on YouTube, click that subscription button and click that notification bell to be updated every week of our new content. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you want to talk about. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. 
Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,